Hey everybody, welcome to Thumbnail, a visual arts podcast. I'm Joe Roshert, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis Rosignol, visual artist. And thanks for joining us. Today we're going to be talking about something we've touched on in other podcasts, but I think it's enough for an entire podcast in itself, and that is inspiration versus imitation. I guess with that also comes some of the other words you might think of, appropriation and parody and plagiarism. We're going to get into a little bit about what's the difference between those things and what's considered okay to do and what is looked down on. And I think there's a lot of gray areas in this. I bet almost everybody views it a little bit differently. I want to ask, how do you decipher between inspiration and imitation? Inspiration versus imitation. So inspiration, I'm probably taking in a lot of different things. So a lot of different things I like or gravitate Mm -hmm. towards, where imitation is I'm just trying to copy how someone has done something. Right. So yeah, I might be inspired by that one thing. But if you're only taking inspiration from one thing, then it's imitation. Right. And so if you're not combining and making a hybrid of your own, then you're just copying. Imitation is obviously one that more people would frown on. And especially if you're imitating one artist or one specific piece that an artist did and you're just copying it, that's not good. But what if you're imitating the way one artist does his line work and then you're taking another artist's way that they color and then you're taking another artist's texture. Now you're pulling from so many different sources and then you're also putting your own self into it and the way you draw. I think at that point you are imitating, but like you were saying, you're drawing from so many sources. It becomes its own thing and that's when it turns into inspiration. I agree completely. So inspiration kind of springs from imitation, but it's just a matter of how many different places you're imitating, I guess. Right. That can be the main problem. I wanted to ask you this too. So when you were in school or before school, I think everybody has a time when they get into specific artists, right? Right. And you start maybe imitating those artists more heavy. Was that ever a time for you where you got dangerously close to imitating just one person or letting one person's style influence you maybe too much? I don't recall having that problem. I was always really aware of trying to do something different. Yeah. I always felt like I fell into the inspired category where I'd try to combine elements of things that I really liked. A lot of these elements stemmed from cartoons and comics. And so if there was an element that I've always gravitated to and be like, oh, that is so cool. I love how he did this piece. It's like, okay, cool. I might use that sometimes. I might not use it all the time. It always depended on the specific project I was working on and what I wanted to say. And so I think there was so much experimentation in college that I never fell into the trap of straight copying someone's idea or style or way of working. That's good. And the reason I say that is because I find that most people do go through kind of phases where they're copying. And I don't think, especially when you're in school and when you're still trying to find your style, I don't think there's anything wrong with copying specific artists. And I think years ago, it probably wasn't nearly as big a deal because when you're in school, nobody's really seeing your work except your professors and they're helping you to work through it. But nowadays, people post their work on social media, right? While they're still learning, right? They're at a stage of their development where they are still copying heavily and they haven't maybe got to the point where they figured out how to turn their imitation into inspiration. And that can be a problem big time. And so I was curious. I know during my 
time at school and before I kind of went in and out with certain people. And I'd say I have about a dozen artists. Well, I have a hundred artists that I like, but I'd say I have a dozen artists that I love. And at this point, I try to take pretty evenly from those dozen artists things that I like about what they do. And I think that that's a pretty good number. It's enough that between those and then the way I draw, it's spread out. But there are times when I start getting more into one of those 12 and then that influence gets a little bit heavier in some of my pieces and then I'll cycle into a different one. I think that's pretty normal. I think so. I tend to look at technique instead of getting inspired by something in its entirety, I'm more dialing into what I think is really working in that individual piece. So it could even be a piece of work that I don't necessarily like. It could be a student's work that I'm critiquing and I'm like, well, I really love that idea or how they separated figure ground by using a blurring technique or just not using outlines on the background or a textured background versus a really flat figure. These aspects are the things I'm looking for and grabbing and putting into my tool belt because you don't know when you're going to need those. And I think that's where the inspiration comes in. I think that's really important to what you're talking about. It's okay. If you're finding yourself copying a specific artist or maybe two artists or something, try to dial into what is it about their work that you're really enjoying? Because the reason you're copying them is because you obviously like them and you like their work. But if you can figure out what it is about their work you like and just take that one part and then try to let all the other parts kind of fall off and then take those parts from different people Or even if you can come up with your own way, which is hard to do. I get that. There's so many artists out there at this point to come up with something that's totally original, like a technique that's totally original. It's almost impossible to figure out what it is. I could sit here and tell you what it is. And I want to do that later in the podcast because I want to break it down for people like exactly what I like to take from specific artists. And so Mm -hmm. people can kind of see that. But I will say this. So I'm thinking more specifically, I did a YouTube live video, which was line work. And I was showing how to do different line weights and things like that. And during the YouTube live, I said to people, you can copy the drawing I'm doing just to learn. And I ended up posting people shared their drawings they did Mm -hmm. where they were just copying what I was doing. And even though they were copying the exact drawing I was doing using the same reference, their pieces were all still unique in their own way. Because we all have our own way of drawing. And even if you straight up copy someone else, it still will have its own unique thing. I'm not saying to just do that because you still need to put more of yourself into it. But you're not going to be able to straight up just copy someone, even if you wanted to, because I think you just have such a hard time unless you're one of those professional forgers, you know? Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think you could even be inspired by someone's concept or idea and have essentially the same story but a totally different piece. And everyone would make that piece differently if they were given that brief. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hey, make an elephant jumping from an airplane. And if that was all you're given, and that was your inspiration, let's say, everyone's going to come up with something different, no matter what. But if you're first given an image of an elephant jumping out of an airplane, you might be a little more influenced to do a lot more similar things. Because decisions were already made for you. That's when you do have to be more careful and just be aware that you can take the same story and change it and make it different from a different perspective, different technique. The elephant doesn't have to look the same. Right. Just taking concepts, you can take that as an inspiration without taking specific techniques. I had this website. It was actually off of Reddit, I think, but it had the different words and the small definition. And so I'll just go through them. It says inspiration is an old idea inspires a new creative idea. 
That's what they're defining as inspiration. That's nice. Yes. And so then appropriation, they say an idea is moved from one culture to another, mostly for novelty with little understanding of it. But I don't think I agree totally with that because it doesn't even have to be from one culture to another. You can appropriate someone's art even if you're in the same culture as that person. Yeah. So that's not necessarily the greatest definition. And then homage is a new idea honoring an older one with intentional similarity. I guess that's probably pretty accurate. Parody, a new idea copies an old idea, often making fun of it for humorous effect. And then copying is just a duplicate. And then plagiarism, a copy that deceptively pretends to be original and hopes no one notices. Okay. So I think that's good too, because you could copy an artist while you're learning And you could even post that on your social media as long as you say, hey, I copied this artist. I'm just trying to learn their style because now you're not trying to pass it off as your own thing. Right. And you're not trying to sell it, I'd imagine. Right. You're just trying to learn. Yeah. It's a master study. This happened all the time. That's how painters learned how to paint for and now. Yeah. And I think that that's okay to do. Although you do have to be careful because you could post something on your social media with a caption that says, hey, I took inspiration from this other artist. I wanted to try to do what they did. And then if someone else posted your image on their own page and didn't have that same caption, then it maybe does look like you're just copying that person. So social media can be a tricky place. I always forget about that. I always forget that the caption doesn't go with it all the time or it doesn't always go with the post. Or travel with the post. Especially on Pinterest. I found a lot of my work on Pinterest and one piece in particular that I did when I was freshman. And I was working on a piece where I was copying an artist and doing my own thing of it. And I posted clearly when I posted it on Facebook. It's just like I was working on this. It was a copy of this other artist. And I posted a picture of his piece next to mine. And then I found my version of it on Pinterest. No caption, just my name next to it. And so I was pretty mad about that because I know how that looks. Yeah, that's tricky. And things on the internet, I can't get that down. It's on Pinterest now. It's nothing I can do about it. Right. So things can live forever in infamy. (laughs) I don't think that's happened to me. I think anything that I have copied early in my career, I didn't have social media to post it. So You're thankful for that because, you know, it's definitely a different time now. But I don't remember really copying artists directly. I don't think I've ever copied some other artist's piece, but I have directly copied photographs well it was the only time i've ever done it and it was for a specific project for an art class we did Hmm. so it was they wanted us to copy another artist's piece but put our own spin on it so it was for an early art school project and i should have known better i shouldn't have posted it even with the caption because at that point i had no followers on social media i was sharing it with just my friends well how are you expected to put your own spin on it Could you do a completely different composition or only your own spin because you're using your own hand? I did my own spin and it was different enough, but you could tell the artist I was copying. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think that was left to interpretation how you put your own spin on it. Because I'm sure lots of art teachers have projects where you do master copies. And this was just one off from that where it was like a master copy, but it wasn't intentionally to do it exactly like they did it. I didn't even use the same medium that they used. But this is probably off in the weeds a little bit just because that's not a project that maybe a lot of people will do. And if you do do it, I would actually not post it. I do a lot of things that I don't post because I don't think it fits my brand or it's really just meant to be an exercise. I took a great fashion design workshop. I'm not going to post my fashion design drawings as much as I like them. I actually threw a bunch of them away. But it was just to improve my own chops it's not postable because it just derails my entire direction yeah yeah 
as much as it helps add tools to my tool belt, I don't need to show that. That's actually a good point. And especially as you get further on in your art career, you know, you may just be learning right now. And so it's not such a big deal if you're sharing different types of art that you're experimenting with. But once you get an actual image and you have, you know, very specific style, if you start posting things like that, you're right, it can derail things. An art director wants to hire you because they can kind of predict what you might do for that given project. Yep. Or at least a little bit based on stylization. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's tempting for some artists, though, if they're not getting a lot of work, if they had those fashion drawings that you did to be like, well, I'll post them because it shows potential clients that I can do that style too. Like they're trying to show a range. I guess if you're interested in that field, go for it. But like, I have no interest in doing that. So I wouldn't even want the work if I got it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. I definitely think we're in a spot where it's different. And when you're first starting out, some artists will take any work anything and so they'll post anything you know if you cast a wide enough net right then maybe you'll start picking up some work but that's also an interesting thing to touch on real quick is you don't want to cast too wide of a net you want to cast it wide enough when you're first starting out and first trying to get your feet wet but don't cast it too too far i think i fell a little bit into that trap where i was still looking for graphic design gigs that i could do but I just didn't enjoy doing. I really love logo and branding and stuff like that, but I hate layout. And I kept taking on these layout projects and stuff, and I just absolutely hated (laughs) making brochures and flyers just with words and text. And uh, I, uh, yeah, so just be careful because what you put out there and what you go for is what you'll get. And so if you're casting out this really wide net, you might start getting in a bunch of everything you like the least. Yeah in that category of that broad category so if you really just don't want to do it just don't even add it into that scope that's a good point they say to like dress for the job you want for artists it's almost like just draw for the jobs you want yeah that's true very specific types of drawings and that's the type of work you're going to get is work that makes sense right right and so nobody's going to call either of us to do fashion drawings even though we both probably could do an okay job but that's just not the type of work we want to do right i'm trying to think of how to get into this i'll try to go through quickly the artists that i most draw from what i draw from them so people can kind of hear and see how many artists i'm drawing from and how diverse what i'm taking from them is i'll go through it quick but the reason i say that is because a lot of people see certain artists in my work and they'll say like oh this reminds me of this artist or this reminds me of that artist and it's always the bigger named artists like basquiat and ralph steadman And that's fine. Those are huge artists. So more people know who they are. And then the smaller artists, people that I take a lot from, people don't realize that because they don't even know who those artists are. And I want to give them some credit for what I'm doing. I guess I'm just being honest because even people like those artists I just mentioned, Ralph Steadman, he took his style from other artists. He's not a total original. There was other people splattering ink before him, right? There was other people doing creepy monster drawings and combining splat. You know, it's not like he stole from other people, but he was inspired also. And so when you see someone that you think is totally original, it's just the fact is they have just as much inspiration as anybody else. It's just that they've really managed to take from people in a way that is clear inspiration and spin it into something pretty original. I feel like we're all still trying to work on that too, like hone that. And so when people say my work looks like Ralph Steadman, that's the one I actually get confused about the most because I don't ever splatter ink really. And that's kind of his main thing that he's known for. Yeah. 
and I don't do that pretty much at all. Occasionally, I've done that in a drawing here or there. So the fact that I don't do that, and that's his staple, I find it odd that that's the person I'm compared to a lot. But I think the one thing I do take from him is the fact that he's pretty loose. But I like that he combines looseness, but sometimes he'll do like buildings and he uses rulers. And so there's these really tight stuff that's very neat mixed in with the looseness. Right. It's just a really cool contrast and has like tension to it. It's a great way to separate background and foreground. It's perfect. That's so true. And that's what he does a lot of times, if you notice in his work. That's the one thing that I like to take, so I try to do that occasionally. I think with Basquiat, he does a lot of doodles and things. I like to do that in my work. I think Alan Kober, I love his line work. If you look up his line work, you'll see clearly that that's the type of line work I've used. And then there's David McKeon's colors and David Hughes' colors, and then Felix Scheinberg's looseness a little bit, and then I'm thinking of collage work that I really love. David Hughes does a little bit of it too, but there's Sarah Finelli. And Tommy Kane's also a great person. I'm just throwing names out there and I'm not going to keep going, but these people are all people that have truly inspired me. And I love everything that all of those artists does almost. And I could take everything from Tommy Kane or Felix Scheinberg, but I don't use watercolor because I don't want it to be a copy. So I use some of the things from him. And I think that's what you were referring to before is just figuring out what it is you like about a specific artist and just taking that one 5% of what they do and then leaving the rest. Right. We also kind of touched on this too. Even if you tried to copy, you can't. Well, that's true too. And so what's the point then, right? So why copy? And so just take these little techniques that you find and make it your own completely. That's so true. So it's kind of like what I said before with taking techniques. Sometimes it relies on the tools. So like before the iPad, what did I do? I naturally tried to paint things flat, flat colors with acrylic paints. And that's what was available to me. And I was trying to mimic this flat coloring. And then I'm exposed to digital And now I could do this so much easier and without brush strokes and everything is just way more seamless as far as the coloring goes. Sometimes it's just the tools. Some things that I've done before is taking technique that I like that someone used and try to translate it to a different medium. And that can be a hard thing to do. But if you can figure out how to get a similar look, but using a different medium, then you're kind of imitating them, but in a way that's totally unique. Yeah, that's kind of how people can come up with their own unique methods because you're really experimenting. Right. That's another cool thing that you can do when you're trying to work on imitating, but not doing it in a way that's blatant or where you start to feel almost dirty if you're blatantly copying people, you know? It also brings up an interesting thing with Disney or anime. So many artists are involved with that. Yeah. When you're inspired by that or trying to draw like that, you are trying to draw like a combined hundreds of people. But those styles become a person in their own right even though they're made by hundreds and hundreds of different artists it's essentially one entity so it's almost as if one person did everything it's weird and so when you're copying that or inspired by that if you were to think that it was one artist would you think of it differently when you're copying it or copying that style would you feel different about that i think most people would i would imagine it's weird because like you said it's this one style but you already know that there's a hundred different artists doing it that are creating it so Mm -hmm. you feel maybe less weird about copying it because you're just adding to that number of people that are doing that style versus if it was just one artist it would feel more wrong or something do you agree i feel like it would feel more wrong if you kind of picture it as 
one artist doing everything. For sure. I feel like some of those styles, the Disney cartoon style, has become so iconic that it's almost not even a style anymore. I don't know if that makes sense. Right. Anime is like that to me, too. I guess it's still a style, but it's so iconic and so ingrained into popular culture that it just seems regular. Right. You know, it just seems day-to-day. That's weird to think about that way. Yeah, to me, it almost is like a lack of anything stylized. So it doesn't feel like a style, but it is. And that's a style in itself, which is strange. I think that one of the best things that artist illustrators like us can do is to take inspiration from people that aren't illustrators. Mm. Because then you're really not running any risk. If you're taking inspiration from sculptors and photographers you're way less likely to run the risk of people accusing you of stealing things because there's no way you're going to imitate exactly what they did because you're using such a different medium right i love doing that too like if i'm looking at a composition of a beautiful photograph or the colors that they're able to distill down in a photograph i love trying to bring that into my work sculptures sometimes body parts or poses are exaggerated for a perceived emotion of some sort right and bring that into your drawings, I think it makes it that much better. You're combining so many different fields, you're starting to touch on uniqueness. And I think that's all we can really try to do is at least touch on uniqueness. That's a great point. To find out who you are as an artist. That's such an interesting point. I was thinking of like Wes Anderson movies, which is an inspiration to me. I love the way he frames things. I love the colors he uses. And his movies are very distinct. And then I was thinking of Quentin Tarantino movies, and he's been really open about his inspiration, which are like spaghetti western and old karate movies. And music is a huge inspiration to him, as you can tell by his soundtracks he uses and old 60s and 70s music. So he's a filmmaker, and yet he's taking inspiration from things that are totally outside of what he's doing. And because of that, his films are very distinctly his own and you can watch a film not even knowing that he did it and by the end of it you'll probably know you'll be able to tell yeah sometimes you just have to grab on to one thing and stick with it there's a artist i follow steve something i think he does sculptures with peanuts (laughs) really and so he'll do different iconic characters from movies or tv shows and sculpt them but the base is a peanut And so he'll have half of it be exposed still, so you still know. It's really cool. Or do paintings of characters on Tic Tacs. And you stick with that one thing. You start to get known for that, and that's your shtick. Or a sculptor, John Bisbee. I think it's John Bisbee, his name is. He does all the sculpture with nails for train tracks. Oh, the spikes? Old iron spikes, yeah. Those are cool anyway. They already have so much character to them. Or just nails in general. It might just be long nails in general. But that's his thing. And you know that it's him because he stuck to a thing. And so you could identify your work, too, because you stick to certain things. You have a collage aspect with the grit, or you see the fringes of the paper still, a certain color palette all around. It's like, that's you. And so if you stick to something, then you stick to those things long enough after you've pulled those bits of inspiration that you've liked from other places anywhere, that becomes you. It's really cool because I say in the last year in particular, I've seen more and more because people will tag me in their posts a lot and be like, this is inspired by Louis Rossignol's work, which is so crazy to me at this point because I was basically an unknown artist just a few years ago. Things like that pop up a lot. And almost all the time, I actually have hardly ever seen someone say this is inspired of Louis Rossignol's work. And I thought that's just too close to my work. I don't like that. 
I always think this person still put their own spin on it and it doesn't offend me that they tried to copy what I did. And I think most artists are like that. I was flattered. I think you'd find it pretty rare if you were to post something and you wrote it's inspired by this person and they would be mad about it. I think that right. they would be pretty flattered. So I think it's just when you try to steal someone's style and totally pass it off as your own where it usually becomes a problem. Or like you said, if you're trying to sell things and that definitely crosses the line for sure. Yeah. I think so too. That's why I kind of have a hard time with conventions and comic conventions. And sure, people can sometimes have unique parodies of characters and superheroes and stuff. And that's sometimes interesting. But a lot of the times, it's just so similar to the real thing. It's kind of a ripoff, unless you are actually part of the real thing. Or if you have a desire to be part of the real thing and that's all you're doing is copying, 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 that could be fine. If your end game is to get a job and that has happened for that, and that's fine too, but I don't think it's right to be selling that stuff beforehand. It's such a weird thing too, because there was a guy that was on the Will Terry YouTube channel and Will Terry did an interview with him. I can't remember his name, but that's what he was doing. He was going to comic cons and conventions and he was selling Marvel, his own versions of Marvel characters and comic book covers and he got hired by marvel because he was doing such an amazing job but he was doing it in the exact style that marvel uses was he discovered at these comic cons too yeah i guess that's a double-edged sword right yeah you think one thing it's like that's how he got the job you know so i don't know what the real advice is there i just know it feels dirty to me yeah i think this goes back to what you were saying because it's marvel and you know so many different artists are creating that one style. It's not just one artist. Right. It becomes a little bit more of a gray area and people don't feel as weird about it. They feel like it's more public domain. That's exactly what it is. That's how people feel. It's kind of like, well, there's songs that are in the public domain that you can use. It's like drawing cartoons of Trump. It's not like Trump started as a cartoon. He just is one. And so when everyone draws him in their own way, it's almost as if they could all be put into a book and it work stylistically everyone's focusing on like five key traits and boom there you have it but it never started as a cartoon so maybe if power rangers were real life people in the real world <laughs> it would be different and it wasn't a cartoon first or not a show first. i think that happens with cartoons especially if they're depicting real people because I know if I've ever done a caricature of someone, I always look at what other caricature artists have done when they drew that person to see what they exaggerated. Uh. If you look up a Jay Leno caricature, it's always going to be like a giant chin and a square kind of head. It's just most artists will exaggerate the same thing. So the Trump ones, you always see him with like a really long tie touching the ground almost. Right. And the hair is ridiculous and the lips are It's the same few things that they exaggerate. Yeah. They make him fatter than he normally is. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, there's a great artist, something Hockney. We're like terrible with remembering artists' names today. I'm terrible with names but too. But he does these great portraits of people. And basically, he minimizes them down to such minimalistic. If he did like a portrait of Trump, he would just do a long tie, a weird wig. He wouldn't even draw the rest of him and you would know who it was because certain people have become caricatures of themselves. Mm -hmm. You see that with people that do impressions. They're often doing the same people like, Christopher Walken and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Trump. These people have become caricatures in a way. Right. But it's for a reason because they're unique voices yeah. or 
Whenever something's unique and totally identifiable, it stands out from the crowd. You know what happens with that, though, is I don't really care for those impressions. What impresses me is when someone does impressions and they do people that nobody else does that are very subtle because those are way harder to do. Yeah. I think Jay Farrow, who was on Saturday Night Live, is a good example. He took some people that really nobody had done and pretty subtle, did a great job with them. And it's more impressive to see that to see someone take like Mark Ruffalo, who's an actor, but maybe he doesn't have that many distinct things about the way he talks. He's kind of more of like an average guy. So to do an impression of him would be harder. But if you did nail it, it would be impressive, I guess. Right. That's a good point. In a visual way, that's the same with people that have faces that are pretty generic. They're harder to make caricatures of. I don't know. We're off a little bit off course, but (laughs) it's A little bit, but still kind of related. You're still taking inspiration from people's faces. But if someone is pretty average, your drawing's going to look average. So it's not always best to be focusing on the common denominator. And so what's the common denominator in art? Sometimes it's explicit. Explicit. sometimes, uh, (laughs) Sometimes it's just too obvious of who you're taking inspiration from yeah. because you're looking at that common denominator and only sticking to that vagueness. If you're only looking at Disney cartoons and all your work obviously looks like a Disney cartoon, you're focusing too much on the common denominator. That's a good point. Artists that have a very unique style, if those are the people you're taking inspiration from, it's probably harder because they have such a unique style. If you take stuff from them, people are going to easily be able to tell that you're inspired by them. Whereas if you take artists that are kind of more in the middle and don't have as unique a styles, maybe it's a little bit easier to do that. I don't know, and get away with it. There's just so many different art styles out there, and which is so great. I love that, and it makes art so interesting because it would be so boring if everyone did the same. I look at Renaissance paintings and paintings from hundreds of years ago, and I kind of find them boring because usually during certain periods, everyone painted in the same style, basically. Right. They're all rendered similarly. They're all trained the same way. A lot of times it's just the same subject matter. It's really only in the last hundred years where art started really taking a pretty dramatic turn into all these different styles, you know, with Picasso. And I saw a post online and it said something like, wait, Picasso was still alive in the 1970s? They didn't know that because he seems like he's just been around forever. Right. And of course, I went to art school, so I knew that. But my wife was shocked to hear that, too. And she thought he was alive in the 1700s or something, which is funny. But I feel like it really has only been in the last hundred years where like an art style is almost needed to be an artist before you could just copy what everyone else was doing. Right. Right, Picasso got so much attention because he did work that was so different. Right. And now everyone's trying to do stuff so different to get attention because that's the ultimate commodity right now. Yep. Do you think it's kind of starting to come back around? Because I've noticed that there's a lot of people like on TikTok, for instance, that are doing such realistic paintings and they get tons and tons of views and likes. And people are getting more back into that more realistic style, which I'm not crazy about, but I don't know if that's always been the case. And I didn't notice it because it wasn't so prevalent on social media or things are cycling back to that where that'll become the most popular type of art. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we've talked about this a little bit before. I think people always gravitate towards realism in an impressive way. Like, oh, that's so impressive. They didn't use a camera. It looks like a photograph. That's so cool. But that's their entry point into art. That's what they understand. And that's the tip of the iceberg that they can see. And so they stick with that and they think that that's art. I know when I was 
training and starting as an artist when I was younger, I, I thought art was that too. I thought art was just how well you could recreate yep. life. Yeah. But again, I think that's, again, the lowest common denominator that people understand. Yeah. And it's sad because it actually does take a lot of talent to do that. And it's sad that yeah. we're calling it the lowest common denominator, but you're right. And the more you learn about art, the less you appreciate that type of art and the more you appreciate more abstract stuff. But that's just the fact. And this podcast really doesn't apply to artists like that, because if you're a photorealistic artist, you don't really have to have a style. You just have to recreate photographs or recreate what you see as best you can. Well, then if that's the stylization you're aiming for, then concept is your king. And so you have right. to be hyper aware of that and that what's going to make your piece stand out and be better is you have to dive into high concept whatever that means. Most of them that I see on TikTok and Instagram are just taking photographs of celebrities and just trying to recreate them exactly like they see. And there's no concept at all to it. Right. They're just kids. And I did the same thing when I was a kid. That's true. And I had some definite winners that were really good, I thought. And they're just realistic. And you could definitely tell who they were. But it's, it's only impressive at that point. There's nothing more I to it. I think what I'm trying to get at, and maybe I wasn't as clear, is that yeah, we both did that. We both were trying to draw as realistically as possible because we thought that was the best type of art when we were younger. But we developed yeah. into different types of artists. But a lot of these people, they're getting such huge followings that they're not going to want to develop into a different type of artist because they're going to say like, why would I change? This is already working. And so I wonder if that's going to be a problem. For mm. Well, not a problem, but I bet there'll be a lot of artists that we won't get to see what they really are capable of because they'll stall out in that spot. That's a good point. Because they have this huge following and why would they want to lose that by trying different things? Right. Wow. Yeah, I never thought of that. It's just a thought. I hate to think that there's people that aren't going to develop further because of that and that could be. I think it's very possible, actually. It's so easy to be influenced by that kind of dopamine rush. You being liked and followed so much, you do get addicted to that. For sure. And if they started doing like a little bit of experimental drawings and their likes went from 20,000 to a couple hundred, they're going to immediately go back to what they were doing that was getting all the likes. Whereas like we're both older and more mature. So if we did the more experimental drawings, I've done some drawings the last week that have gotten way less likes because they're way more minimal and experimental. And it doesn't bother me that they're getting less likes because I'm interested in doing them. But I think it could bother a lot of people and they would just immediately move away from it rather than letting it just happen and see where it goes. Right. It's going to be kind of cycling back to like Renaissance times. Is that what you're I thinking? I don't know. And then how everyone who buys the paintings and likes the paintings knows they're great paintings because of that style. And it's kind of like what we're seeing now. Like lots of people are knowing these artists who are doing a certain thing. And then it's so much more profound when one of those artists do something different. All of a sudden, cubism is yeah. a thing. I don't know. And then a lot of people outrage over it, but then we look back at it in history and it's groundbreaking. Yeah, I just don't know. But because that already happened, <laughs> is it going to be treated the same or is it going to feel the same for these kids? I have no idea. Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't think maybe the whole art scene will change that much, but I definitely think it's affecting individual artists and some just won't develop like they could because of a social media and that dopamine hit from likes that you're talking about. Which is sad, I think. It is sad. But 
guess we'll just see where it goes. I'm interested to see where it goes. Me too. I'm curious. But I think it's kind of an interesting subject. And I think we took it all over the place and maybe a more abstract way. But I was interested in, in what we were talking about. And I really hope that the listeners are too. And maybe they'll have things to add and they can email us. Yeah, you can email us at thumbnailpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear whatever you have to say. Or you could message us directly on Instagram at Fort House. Lewis is at Lewis Rosignal. Yep. And we'd love to hear from you. Exactly. And we do have our Etsy promo code for thumbnail listeners. It's just thumbnail on either of our Etsy stores when you check out and that'll give you 25% off. Everyone stay safe out there. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks guys. Take care.